for this beautiful and we thank God because we can gaze on the beauty of his holiness amen okay so this morning I'm going to be um, preaching on the Lord is my shepherd Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd it's a, a very very popular psalm we all know it we all know it by heart it's probably one of um, the uh, most popular chapter in the, in the Bible that many people will quote. Yeah. And um, I'm going to read from um, the ESV version of the Bible. Okay. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Okay. Psalm 23 is a, a psalm of David, and as a shepherd himself, he understood what it means for the Lord to be his shepherd. He had been looking after sheep for years. But in the midst of this, he knew that he himself is a sheep under someone. And he's a sheep under the Lord Almighty. And he knew the Lord as his shepherd. And within that chapter of the Bible, David referenced the name of God in various forms in that chapter, and we'll go through seven of those names within the chapter. And the first is Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, verse one. So what, who is a shepherd? A shepherd is someone who tends had feeds or guards flocks of sheep. And for there to be a shepherd, there must be at least a sheep <laughs> or flocks of sheep. And a shepherd is someone who knows his sheep very, very well. And he tenderly cares for the sheep. Okay. It's not only the shepherd that looks after the sheep. There are some other people who look after the sheep. An example is a hireling. Okay? A hireling also looks after the sheep, cares for the sheep, but is, there is a distinguished, uh, distinguishing characteristic between a hireling and a shepherd. A hireling is employed to look after the sheep. A hireling is there for his own benefit, 
for his own wages, for his own income. But the shepherd is there for the benefit of the sheep. The hireling can abandon the sheep when things are rough, when things are tough, when things are dark. Even in the midst of danger, the hireling will look after himself first of all before the sheep. But the shepherd, on the other hand, not only protects and cares for the sheep, the shepherd is willing to give his own life for the sake of the sheep. In times of danger, the shepherd will put himself forward first to protect the sheep. And there is someone who has done the same for us, and that is Jesus. He is the perfect shepherd. The Bible actually says in John chapter 10, if you read through the book of John chapter 10, the Bible describes Jesus as a good shepherd. And all through that scripture, we'll see various things that, you know, was used in describing a good shepherd. In verse 1 and 2 of um, John chapter 10, it says that the shepherd, the good shepherd, will come through the door. Okay, a thief will try to break in through windows, you know, but a shepherd will come through the door. He enters by the door. And what does that mean? It means the door is the door of salvation. What Jesus is actually saying is that the shepherd is the one who brings salvation. And Jesus said he's knocking on the door of our hearts to come in, to find a place of refuge in our hearts. And so that's why Jesus was able to give himself for us, for our salvation. So a shepherd enters the door, enters through the door. In verse 3 of John chapter 10, it says that the shepherd calls the sheep by name. The shepherd knows the name of the sheep and he leads the sheep. So Jesus knows every one of us here and billions of other people all over the world. It's a struggle for me to remember the name of everybody in this room, <laughs> not only to talk of billions of people all over the world. But you know, he calls you by your name. <laughs> he calls you by your name. That is a good shepherd. In verse 4 of John chapter 10, it says that the good shepherd goes before the sheep, and the sheep follow him. The sheep know his voice. So as a good shepherd, he goes ahead of us, leading us, directing us, showing us the way while we follow him. He's talking to us, he's communicating to us, and we can hear his voice. We can listen to him. We can identify his voice as we journey through life. Verse 10 says that he gives us life in abundance. Okay. He gives us life in abundance. That's verse 10 of John chapter 10. 
So it's not just come that we may have life, but it's come that we may have life in abundance. Okay. So it's not just come with a small measure. It's come with an overflowing measure. And verse 11 of John 10 says, he lays down his life for the sheep. We've talked about that. The shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. And so that was why it was not difficult for Jesus. Not that it wasn't painful, but because of his love for us, he was able to lay down his life for us. And at the time when Jesus was laying down his life, not that we were Christians, and because we've been doing so many good things, yes, he's ready now, prepared to now lay his life for us. Even in our sin, Jesus laid his life down for us. And verse 16 says that he is the shepherd of one flock. He is the shepherd of one flock. And so that signifies the unity within the body of Christ. Okay? Jesus is uniting people together. We have been called into one faith, one baptism, one father overall. Though we are many, we are one body. So there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is no more division. A good shepherd unites his people. So whether you be Pentecostal, Methodist, Church of England, Protestant, whatever, Jesus, as a good shepherd, unites the body of Christ. So we are one family in God. So Jesus seeks to unite and not to divide. And Psalm 103 says that we are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. So I would rather be a flock where Jesus is the shepherd than be a sheep somewhere else. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be part of that flock where Jesus is the shepherd. And aren't we lucky? And he's actually telling us, yes, we are his people. And we are the sheep of his pasture. So I want to encourage us today as we journey through life, let's remember who we are and whose we are. That we are his people and he is our God. He is our shepherd. David understood this as a shepherd. And what the shepherd does is that the shepherd provides. And that is another name of God. is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And so David was able to say that I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. As a good shepherd, the Lord makes provision for everything that we need. Psalm 34 verse 10 says that you young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack anything good. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. 
So as we journey through life, whatever lack, whatever need we may be going, we may have, whatever difficulty we may we may have, let's remember, the Lord who is our shepherd, is indeed our provider. We know that the times that we are in, they are difficult times, they are tough times. We've just come out of a pandemic and it's like we've gone into another pandemic. It's the pandemic of the financial crisis, living, um, the um, cost of living crisis. But the Lord is saying, he's able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. When the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, the Lord met all their needs, even in the wilderness. The wilderness is not a place of plenty. It's not a place where you will have your needs met normally. And not that they had a lot of provision. Even if they did, they did not envisage that their journey will be 40 years. So whatever provision they took would have just been something small that would have lasted them for a few days. But the Lord took care of them, even in the wilderness. Elijah and the widow of Sarephath, the Lord fed the bird of God. The Lord provided for this widow and her son, even during the midst of famine. And that is the Lord who provides. The widow wanted to just have something to eat and die, and that's it. But the Lord saw the widow, and the Lord saw the needs of this widow. And the Lord not only blessed her, the Lord made her a blessing unto other people. And that is what God is able, is able to do. He's able to you know, bless you and make you a blessing unto others. So whatever struggle we may be going through, Let's remember that the Lord, our shepherd, is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. David also identified the Lord as Jehovah Shalom, the one who ministers peace to us, the Lord, our peace. And in verse 2 of Psalm 23, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Our God is able to calm the storms in our lives as the good shepherd. He's able to minister his peace unto us. When the disciples were in a storm, these were expert fishermen. These were people who understood the terrain of being on the sea and being in a storm. But they had a storm that was beyond their own cap capabilities. They had a storm that was beyond their expertise. And they thought they would die. In fact, at the point they said, they shouted at Jesus. Jesus was, was sleeping. Do you not care if we die? But Jesus cared about them, and he commanded his peace, and he said, peace, be still. And today we can read about that experience. We can say, we, 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 we now know, we know that Jesus is able to calm the storm. If that didn't happen then, we won't have some examples to encourage us today. 
that even in the midst of the storm, he's able to calm the storm because he's the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. When we talk about peace, peace does not necessarily mean the absence of conflicts, but it is the presence of God in the midst of turbulence and crisis. In fact, the word shalom refers to wholeness, completion, or restoration of what is broken. So even in the midst of what has been broken, the Lord is able to restore, is able to bring everything back onto wholeness. And John chapter 14, Jesus was telling the disciples, John chapter 14 verse 1, says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And in verse 27 of John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And he emphasized again to them in that verse 27, said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, is encouraging us today to absolutely depend on him. That whatever the situation may be, whatever life may be throwing at us, whatever challenge may be coming our way, we know that the Lord, our shepherd, is Jehovah Shalom, who ministers his peace to us. So instead of worrying, let us put our trust in him. Let us trust him totally. And when the Lord is leading us beside the still waters, it is an invitation for us to cast all our cares and our burdens onto him because he cares for us. So don't let us carry the burden all by ourselves. Don't let us just you know, go through life with all the burdens on our shoulder. Let's commit those burdens unto him. Let's bring those cares and burdens before the Lord. And just like Mandy encouraged us, let's come before him and be open. Let's strip away you know, everything and come before him. Bring our hearts to him. Amen. Another name of the Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. David understood God as the shepherd, as the one who is able to heal. In verse 3, he says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. He is able to restore our spirit, our soul, and our body. John, in, in the book of Third John, that's Third John chapter, um, verse 2, it only has one chapter. Third John verse 2 says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals, is able to restore our soul. He's able to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. 
So let's remember when we are going through health problems, health challenges, that we have the Lord who is our shepherd, who is also Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. There are people in our midst who have testified to God's goodness in the area of their health. They've gone through stuff, but God has brought them through. He's seen them through, and he has healed them. Let's remember those times in our lives as well when the Lord healed us. Let's remember the goodness of God. I'll go to the next one, which is Jehovah's Seed Cano. And that is the Lord, our righteousness. So David knew that the Lord was his righteousness. And he says in verse 3 that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That word Jehovah said Kenu is actually taken from the book of um, Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 6. And he says, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So Jesus is our righteousness. The righteousness that we are talking of here is not our own righteousness, is not by our own effort, because the Bible says no one is righteous in Romans 3 verse 10. But the righteousness that we're talking of is the righteousness of God. And righteousness is an attribute from God, or is an attribute of God. So it is from God. By righteousness, we mean right standing with God. It refers to God's approval or being considered right in his eyes. And I'm going to just share a few important points about the righteousness of God. One, it is not hand. It is given through exchange. So it's not the things that we have done to qualify for it or to earn it, but it was given to us as an exchange. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Christ became our sin, and I'm just paraphrasing this, and in exchange, we received his righteousness. So the righteousness of God is given to us in exchange for our sins. Another thing about the righteousness of God is that it is not bought with body or with anything, but it is, it's been paid for. Yeah. It does not cost us anything to be righteous, but it costs Jesus everything. He paid for it by his blood. Romans 5, 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So Jesus paid for our righteousness. And the third point I'll, I'll share on that is that the righteousness of God is not temporary. It is eternal. God's declaration of righteousness over us is not a temporary thing. It is everlasting. Psalm 119 verse 142 says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. 
and your law is truth. So the righteousness of God is not just for, oh, because we've been very good today. You've spoken Christianese. You've done the right things. So yeah, you are righteous. But the righteousness of God is eternal. So Jesus, as our good shepherd, who is righteousness in himself, leads us in the paths of righteousness. So for us to stay in the paths of righteousness, all we have to do is to follow Jesus. All we have to do is to look at Jesus with righteousness and follow the paths that is leading us. When we follow Jesus, he leads us in the right paths. He gives us direction for our lives. He gives us purpose for our existence. When Jesus called the disciples, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These were ordinary people, fishermen, unlearned men, uneducated men. But when they followed Jesus, Jesus transformed those ordinary men to people that he could commit the great commission to, the great task of preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and making disciples. And we can see the effect of that till today. Boy, they did a, a great job. I wonder if we were to commit something that will last for thousands and thousands of years, for generations, which 12 people do you think you will select? You probably will want to go for the experts. But Jesus was not seeking the experts. But he made them experts. He qualified them. So Jesus is going to lead us in the paths of righteousness. All we have to do is just to follow him. But is it easy to follow him all the time? <laughs> sometimes we go our own way. Sometimes we stray away. Sometimes we just wander off for various reasons. Maybe because of pressures of this world. It may be because of rebellion. It may, for whatever reason, even when we stray away from him, as a good shepherd, he's loving and he's compassionate. And as a good shepherd, he will leave the 99 to come look for that one lost sheep because of his love and his compassion for us. So I don't know where you are in your, in your journey with the Lord, even this morning. And if you feel that you've gone away from the Lord, the Father is waiting with an open hand. His love and his compassion, they are new every morning. And he's waiting to receive us back into his arms. So just to encourage you, yeah, if you've left the path of righteousness, the Lord is saying, I'm waiting to receive you back. Another name of the Lord that David mentioned in that chapter is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. The Lord who is present with us. And in verse 4, of Psalm 23, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The value of the shadow, the value of, the shadow of death represents difficult situations in our lives. And these are situations that make us to be fearful, that make us to be afraid. There are so many things there that are just too negative in that, you know, first um, phrase, valley, shadow, death. Those are three combinations that you don't want together. One is enough. <laughs> it's more than enough. You now have three, valley, shadow, death. <laughs> but in that very dire situation, the Lord is saying that when we walk through that, he is there with us. So it's not just God who is there with us when we are at the mountaintop or when we are there in our spotlight moment. He is there when we are in the shadows, when we are in the background, where things are rough and tough, where things are really, really bad. In our dire situation, he's saying that he is present with us. He's not just God at the mountaintop, he's the God in the valley. And he says, he will never leave us nor forsake us in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. The three Hebrew boys come to mind when we talk of, you know, people going through very difficult situation in the valley of the shadow of death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. One thing that struck me was, why did the Lord not deliver them from the furnace in the first instance, but made them to go into the furnace? So the Lord did not deliver them from the furnace. The Lord delivered them in the furnace. And the Lord was present with them right there in the furnace. And that was why King Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person in the furnace and said, this look like the son of God. So sometimes when the Lord allows us to go through difficult situation, it is for us to be able to show for the glory of God, to show for the person of Christ, even to unbelievers. But they may say, how can you go through this stuff, through this stuff in life and still be standing? and still be smiling, and still, you know, how can you, we don't understand it. There's something different about you. We can say it is Jesus that's made that difference. So sometimes when we are going through those things, the Lord may not deliver us from that thing, but the Lord is saying that I am with you despite it. Another thing the Lord does when we go through challenges, is that he comforts us. He says in the latter part of that verse that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, okay? The rod is, um, the rod and the staff, they are two implements that um, the, the, the shepherd uses, you know, in, in looking after the, the, the sheep. So the rod is that small, um, implement, which is relatively short, heavy, club-like device. And the staff is the longer one, which is thinner and has a hook and crook at one end. The rod is used 
as a defensive weapon for the ship. So it's not used on the ship, but it is used to attack the enemy of the ship. Okay? That's the rod. But the staff, on the other hand, is used in tending the ship, is used in caring for the ship. So the rod is used to guard and to protect the ship. And the staff is a tool for guiding and directing the ship. The rod also represents authority and power, while the staff represents care and compassion. So the Lord as the shepherd, when we are going through difficulties, he's saying he's able to guard and protect us, and he's able to guide us and direct us through those difficult situations of our lives. And he's also exercising his authority even in the difficult situations, whilst he's also caring for us. He's showing us that in the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us as our Lord, who has got power and authority, and as our Savior, showing us care and compassion. So when we talk of the rod and the staff comforting us, we have the host of heaven with us. We have the Lord Almighty with us caring for us, showing us compassion, and protecting us even in the midst of the danger that we face. Okay, and finally, the seventh um, name that we could identify from, the, from, from that chapter is Jehovah Nisai, which is the Lord is my banner. And verse five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. The, the word Jehovah Nisai comes from um, Exodus chapter 17, verse 15, which is the Lord is my banner. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. And this was the battle, okay, in, in, in Exodus 17, you see the children of Israel were in battle with the Amalekites, okay? And as Joshua was fighting, Moses held up his rod. And as long as he held up his rod, they were winning the battle. When he or held up his hands, I should say. But as soon as he, he lowered his hands, they were, they were losing. And Aaron and Hor came to you know, support his hands, lift his hands up, and they won that battle. And Moses was able to then build an altar and called the name of the place, the Lord is my banner, signifying the victory that the Lord gave to the children of Israel against the Amalekites. So when the Lord prepares a table in the presence of our enemies, that means that the Lord has given us victory. And we can proclaim that indeed he is Jehovah Nisai, the Lord who is our banner, the one who gives us victory in the midst of opposition. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 to 47, I will read that very briefly. And that is the, 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 the battle between you know, the children of Israel and the Philistines. And they chose David and Goliath to face one another. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, but for the battle is the Lord's, and it will give you into our hand. So David was facing his giant in his life. Is everything okay? Sorry? He's not feeling very well. Okay. Oh. Okay. Can, can, please, I'm attend to him. Yeah. Sorry, I will just, um, if, if you don't mind me pausing a little bit, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah. Is it well? Yes, sir. Yeah. Does he want to lie down? Sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to put his head between his knees. Okay. Okay. Let, let, let's just pray for, for Colin. Let, let's pray for him. Lord. Lord, we just want to commit Colin into your hands, oh Lord. We just pray your touch upon him right now in the name of Jesus. That whatever may be the situation, O oh Lord, we say you will undertake for him, O oh Lord. And I pray, Father, for complete healing in the name of Jesus. That instantly, Lord, you will begin to feel well and feel better. That by your blood, O oh Lord, we say he is healed. By your stripes, he is healed. We just pray for comfort in his body. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Okay. If, if you need to lie down, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you need to lie down. Okay. If you want to just take him maybe to the prayer room to just... If some people can just help to, yeah, take him, okay. Okay. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, so that, that is church, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are family, so yeah, that, that's fine. So as I was saying, Jehovah Nisai, the Lord, our banner, the one who gives us victory. So whatever giant we may be facing, let's remember that the Lord, our shepherd, gives us victory. And he's able to prepare the table before us in the presence of our enemies. And when we talk about the table here, it suggests that there is bounty, you know, blessings even in the presence of enemies. In the presence of opposition, in the presence of, you know, difficult situation, God is giving us victory. God is giving us his abundance. God is just, you know, blessing us. And it says that the Lord anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, I read that in the Middle East that it is customary for people to anoint 
the heads of their visitors with very fragrant um, perfumes and serve them with a glass of um, choice wine and continue to fill it until it overflows. And that means that that particular visitor is special for them to do that for him. So when the Lord is saying he anoints us with oil, he anoints our head with oil, our cup overflows, is that you are very special to him. You're a chosen generation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood to show for the praise of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you are very special. The anointing also symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is pouring out his oil on us to overflow him. So it is the desire of the Lord for us to overflow even in the spirit. You know, just pouring out the spirit on, on, on us in great measure. Because of our time, I will just quickly move on. Is that the last slide or has it stopped? Okay, anyway, don't, don't, don't worry. Yeah. So the final point I'm making is um, we've gone through those seven names of God. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So talking about the consequence of following the Lord as our shepherd, and that is verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word follow me, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, that follow me, literally it means to pursue, pursue me. It means that goodness and mercy will follow us, they will pursue us. <laughs> so as we make the Lord our shepherd, as we follow him as our shepherd, what is coming on the rear is the goodness and the mercies of God chasing after us, running after us. And he says that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He talks about our place in God is guaranteed, that we have an inheritance in the Lord, that as we follow the Lord as our shepherd, we have an everlasting inheritance. Psalm 16, verse 5 to 6 says that, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. So we have an inheritance in the Lord as we make him our shepherd. And as, a, as we round off this morning, let's remember as we go this week that Jehovah Ra, the Lord, is our shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides and meets all our needs. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Jehovah Rapha, the one who is our healer. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present with us everywhere and anywhere. Jehovah Nisai, the Lord who is our banner and who assures us victory in the face of opposition. And I pray that as we leave here, God's mercies and his goodness will follow us, it will pursue us, and God's presence will be our dwelling place forever and ever.
Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, James, I don't know if you have a closing worship for us. Okay. Thank you.